Welcome to Here We Are, the podcast where we talk about curiosity, fascination, and what makes us delightfully nerdy. I'm your nerd host for the day, Joy Bork. This season is focused around the theme of your flavor of nerd, or YFON, as I abbreviated it in the episode title. Today, we are going to talk about the art of fly fishing. I have a lot of different associations with the art of fishing. I remember liking the concept of it, the feel of the bite, the thrill of reeling it in, then the utter disgust at the slimy creature that I caught and who was now bleeding and flopping on the ground and who flipped blood onto my sister's new pastel yellow matching shorts and top outfit, causing terror and havoc. (laughs) I I think we recovered from that moment, okay? (laughs) I just... I just remember fishing being a bonding experience with the grandpa figures in my life. Fishing with my grandpa Wells in Crystal Lake, Illinois, and on the little lake behind their house in North Carolina. I remember going fishing with my adopted grandpa Ralph, who was adopted because we had no local family around when I was growing up, and loving the process, up until he wanted me to get a fishing license. I honestly thought I would have to get a shot in order to get the license. I don't know who told me that or where I picked that up. So I naturally reacted in a terrified manner, and I don't think I ever actually got the fishing license. Either way, I've heard so many stories of how fishing is an activity that connects people with people, people with nature, and individuals with themselves. Today, we're going to be hearing all about this magical world of connectivity from Jacob Patterson, a fly fishing enthusiast and brain behind the Living on the Fly Instagram account. So without further ado... Here is my fantastic discussion with Jacob. So let's kick it off by introducing yourself and telling everybody whatever you want them to know about you. Hi, my name is Jacob, and I'm the guy behind the uh, Living on the Fly fly fishing Instagram. And uh, I would say the most enthusiastic fly fishing conglomerate in uh, Western Nebraska. What flavor of nerd do you want to talk about today? Let's talk about fly fishing. Okay. Okay. I know nothing about fly fishing other than it's a lot of sounds of the little thing going past your ear and then going back out. And (laughs) that's about all I know about it. Okay. That's a little, that sounds like it's coming a little too close to your face. Well, okay. That's valid. Step one, (laughs) don't get yourself hooked. So for muggles like me that know nothing about the thing that you love, what do we need to know? Well, actually I would say first thing that I found was don't, refer to a fly rod as a fly pole Ooh. um i discovered that the well first of all i learned this fly anglers are basically like they're like the fancy handbag ladies of the fishing <laughs> world like they think they're better than everybody else because they probably might actually be but they also are very elitist and only the finest gear only the schnazziest looking waders and apparel and stuff like that whatever so yeah i found out you don't call it a pole it's you have left that mom and mom and pop that kind of like andy griffith style method of recreation behind you you are now in the world (laughs) of fly fishing and you will be correct in all your terminologies Um, how did you learn that who corrected you i feel like there's a story here actually it was just in a book i was reading not too long after i got into fly fishing because i was just like trying to like just consume all this different information and stuff like that and i was just reading in this book it was this ancient man from the pennsylvania mountains (laughs) sounds about it now all the photos were in black and white and i think that was because they didn't have the technology to make them colored at the time wow 
And he just literally had like a couple paragraphs of a chapter that were all devoted to the proper terminology of the fly rod. Because I guess somebody had offended him and he didn't want to be associated with the Walmart fishing pole mm, variety types. Respect the fly rod. Right. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, at their base, if you want to just look at it, they you could call it whatever you wanted. It won't <laughs> offend the fly rod, only the person using it. It will put a curse on you and you will not catch any fish all day it'll put you in a state of being undignified so that was uh that was a big one i learned it's a small one but i have discovered though that as i've been doing this i also get mildly offended it's it feels belittling it's this isn't just fishing this is spiritual and you need to go like um this is a genuine louis vuitton so (laughs) take your bad vibes and please exit don't touch Um, my fancy bag Thanks. exactly it literally is kind of like that it's okay i'm just saying it's funny you said bag like my tackle rig it's a bag rig rig i call it a rig it's not a tackle box it's a rig i love this so much and, uh, that's yeah. very guitar of you oh yeah yeah this is my joe about guitars this is me with my thing like we, get, we can get very technical very fast oh let's do it just drown you in fast um, okay so again muggle questions what's the difference between i know what it visually looks like but what is the essential difference between fishing with a pole and fishing with a fly rod (laughs) yeah so basically it actually really comes down to just your lure it's your or your fly it's not so much about the rod as it is about the object that you're using to lure your fish in so fly obviously it's, it's meant to simulate like a bug or a aquatic insect under the water, or it can even simulate small fish, stuff like that, even crawdads or frogs, stuff like that. Your average fishing lure probably is made out of wood or metal or whatever, has a more lure look to it. A fly always typically will have one hook, maybe two hooks. It's very simplistic. And as far as like the hook goes, it's the body of the fly itself that if you looked at like a spinner lure or like a mayfly, like next to each other, you'd be like, well, one's a fly, one's a lure. Mm. The mayfly is going to be, it's going to be a hook, but on the hook, it's going to have this extravagant, carefully hand-tied, just like lineup of ingredients that make it look like a little mayfly. And for me, that's it. You're, you are casting out a fly lookalike to entice a fish to bite it based on how it looks and how it acts. Not so much about like live bait it doesn't have a scent or anything like that Mm -hmm. and not like a big like bass lure where it's just meant to cause nothing but aggression and get a strike that way the fly is meant to literally fool the fish into thinking that's you know part of my diet so i'm just going to eat it trout and i have very similar views on diet just eat as much of it as you can and (laughs) worry about the consequences later but uh, yeah yeah. yeah at its base that's that would be like my definition um i hope that no other anglers hear me talking about this because I will probably get crucified. No, we are totally um, going for you are explaining it to me because I know nothing. <laughs> and right. the goal of, of this podcast series is to just learn more about what makes you happy. And this mm-hmm. is something that like, I, I personally absolutely adore just learning things. So right. I am over the moon right now just because I get to talk to you about something that you love and I know nothing awesome. about it. So it's I'm awesome. in it. And we're not going to crucify you because that's just brutal and not very nice. And I don't think Joe would appreciate that. Yeah. I don't know if you've had this question ever before. Do you have to study like the behavior of insects 
on yeah. the water then? Yeah. The thing I think I didn't realize when I first started that I would really be learning a lot of was not just trout behavior and anatomy and things like that, but yeah, insect behavior. The hard one for me is just remembering like what insects are what, because there's so many mm -hmm. different types of bugs and stuff like that. And once you're out there, you'll see different kinds of beetles, different kinds of stoneflies and bugs that fly, bugs that float, bugs that swim. Okay, I can see why it's old people doing this. It's because they've been doing it since they were my age. And they're right. probably finally just mastering the art of just knowing all the things. And uh, so that's been a tough one. The thing that has helped me though is just kind of like getting an average education on the most common bugs that you might see. And uh, mayflies are a big one. It's like the classic like fly fishing fish. It's got like two little barbs that come out of its butt. And it just, it's a really cool looking bug. And uh, I've gotten pretty used to seeing those out there. And those are always a real, just a, a dead giveaway that uh, that's the kind of fly you should throw if you see them. Or so, yeah, I do, I do definitely have a little arsenal of flies that I will throw no matter what, just because they almost always work just because they're a very general fly or a bug that a trout would probably see or eat. So I tell people that I teach uh, fly fishing the crowds of them, but uh, the people I do teach that I've talked to about, and they're just like, how do you just keep catching fish? It took me forever, but you can crack the code once you figure out like a trout's basic core diet. And it's very simple. And then once you just pick your flies that kind of resemble that, you'll catch something. You should never go fly fishing and just not catch anything just because you didn't pick the right fly. Like, you should have a core grouping of flies that will do the job. And if it doesn't, it could just come down to the, the weather, the temperature of the water, which I also did not know was a thing until I started. And apparently it's like vital to a trout's life. If the water's too hot, they will not bite and they can die if you catch them and keep them out, keep them like above the hot water too long. Like it'll actually like basically boil their insides. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like me, they're very fragile and sensitive on the inside. And they need to be treated gently. <laughs> <No>. But uh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> But uh, yeah. So this sounds like a lot more of a puzzle than I ever anticipated. Because in my head, fishing is, oh, let's go take my pole. And there it goes. Right. And okay, cool. And now I just reel it in. And this is uh -huh. fun. Oh, maybe I get a bite. Maybe I don't. But it sounds like there's a lot more intentionality that goes behind it. Oh, yeah. So when you put your waders on, when you get in the water, what is your... What's your process? When I first started, I'll never forget the first time I went out to this little creek nearby where I live that uh, Joe had actually told me about because he, he told me that he used to go in the wintertime and take photos of Griffin there, his German Shepherd. And I'd never really seen the creek in those photos. I'd seen some of the photos before, but he told me, he's like, yeah, there's a little creek there and there's some trout in it. I was like, oh, huh, that's cool. And then like a few months later, I was just, I was just I was struggling with like my purpose and just feeling like I had none. So I was in this just place of just emptiness and just like lack of anything driving me to do anything. And like, I've always loved fishing, but I've never done anything like this before. And I'd honestly been kind of getting out of it. And then um, on Facebook, a local somehow that I'm friends of friends of friends with posted this picture of this brown trout. And I just remember like seeing the photo and I was like, that is the weirdest looking trout I've ever seen. And I was like, I couldn't get it out of my head. So I just I messaged the guy and I was like, hey, where'd you catch that? And he told me the name of the creek. And I was like, wait a second. And I, said, I was like, is that the creek that you were talking about? He's like, yeah. I was like, there's fish in there. He's like, yeah, I told you that. I was like, 
okay. I messaged the the guy again. I was like, what'd you catch on if I can ask? And he's like, yeah, a fly. And I was like, okay. I know of what that is. I have never done it. And I don't think that I could learn how, but I just like, I was like, I just put on Facebook. I was like, is anybody selling a fly rod? And one of my brother's youth students actually reached out to me. He's like, my grandpa is selling his fly rod. I'm like, you want it? I'll give it to you for 20 bucks. It's like, yeah, Done. okay. <laughs> so I, I did that. But anyway, like all that to say, like leading up to that first trip, I went like the crack of dawn and went out to this area in like late August. It was just completely green. It looked like the Shire. It was just beautiful out there. And uh, like the sun was just starting to rise. So, so when I went out there the first time, like I was clueless. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know what, what kinds of trout were in this creek. I didn't even know what fly to use. I just had a handful of flies that I found at one of our local little like outdoorsy stores. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing with this. I don't even know how to tie any of this on really. I just guessed. And the first time I was out there, like I got more snags on uh, just like the bank and weeds and stuff than I ever had before. And I, I got a bite from my first fish and I just, I will never forget. It was like, I got struck by lightning through my hands. Like I was like, this is awesome. And this is different and scary and exciting. And I want more of this. Like, it was like, I, I can't really explain it. I was just like, I was like, I have to do this again and again until I die. And so I didn't catch the fish. It got off, but I was like, I need to figure out how to do this right. And so I spent like the whole rest of the day, just like out there, just trying to figure out how to cast. Cause I was like, this cannot be as difficult as it looks. It was. So I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't, I was kind of thinking about it and I'm just going to walk up to the bank. I'm going to cast and I'm probably going to catch something cause I'm lucky and it didn't happen. And so literally the next day, like I went to the library and started just like looking for books on fly fishing. And yes. we actually had two or three like old ones, including the one I was talking about. And uh, just like reading, I was like, this is like, it's like reading a math book. Yeah. Like, it wasn't exciting. It was really overwhelming. And I was like, this sucks. So I shut it, went home. And I was like, trying to think, I was like, I want to go fishing again. Like I, I had, I was just like, I couldn't explain it. So I found a bunch of YouTuber, like filmmakers that were like big fly fishermen. And I like love, I love stuff like that. That's a kind of a part of what caused me to start the Instagram account was just so I could start using that tool to kind of broadcast the world of fly fishing bit. But just watching them, I was like, okay, I'm learning way more from just watching these guys than I was from reading books. And I just started picking up stuff. And then two or three days later, I went back out to the Creek and I was like, okay, like I got it this time. I had a basic idea of how to cast. So I was doing it. And then I finally actually caught and landed my first, oh my little, gosh. it was just a little rainbow trout. But I remember just seeing, I was like, this doesn't look like any trout I've ever caught before. It was wild. It had like full colors. It was healthy. I remember staring at it. I was like, why am I seeing this? Like it's the first time. Like I've seen trout before, but it was like, I was staring at an alien. I was like, this thing looks so cool. Like, I just like couldn't take my eyes off of it. And then, and then just one thing led to another. And then that's just wow. the rest of history. But yeah, the process though, to answer that question an hour later, that I use now when I approach the water, it really is straight up like hunter and prey. Like there's no lawn chair involved. There's no umbrella. Like I'm there to hunt. I'm there to pursue these fish. I've, I have learned, am learning and will keep, you know, learning more about them. So that I know exactly like what time of year they really are active, what they're doing during each time of year, when their spawning seasons are and also what their diet is. And once you know stuff like that, it becomes a lot simpler to catch fish than just dumb luck. I don't believe in luck when it comes to the actual fishing. It really does come down to timing it just right and using the right fly and 
just narrowing the odds until you're either going to catch a fish or you're going to catch it and then you're going to miss it. There's no not catching fish happening here. And so I'm very confident, probably a little overconfident when I approach the water because I'm just like, I'm going to catch a fish. There's no way I'm not going to catch a fish. It's been like a work in progress. It's taken a lot of trips where I didn't catch anything for Mm -hmm. me to actually look back and be like, okay, it wasn't the fish's fault. It wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. the weather. It was a culmination of me not knowing what I was doing and not taking the time to learn what I was doing wrong so that I could do it right in the future. And then me having to go back and be like, okay, last time I was here, these two dots didn't connect. How do I connect them properly this time? And uh, yeah, once you just learn to kind of learn from your mistakes and then just learn to like learn from the water, from the trout and stuff like that, you won't miss fish. There's not going to be a day where you just get skunked completely all because of the fish's fault or something like that. It's basically a process of perfecting your ability to observe Mm. everything around you. And uh, at least as far as like the fish, the water and the weather and stuff like that is concerned. And that's something like I never really had before. And now it's just like a, it's always in the back of my brain, this like little focus that I never really had before to smaller details like that. Mm. I've heard fly fishing is very grounding. Do you experience that? Like it's, you find flow? Yeah. Okay. I gotta, I gotta choose my words carefully. Cause I could go on for, I could literally go on for hours about that. Yeah. It's, it is spiritual. I don't care who tells you it is or isn't. It is. I think if you don't experience that, I think, unfortunately you're missing the point. And that's, it's that something I started noticing the more I started to just like focus on the water and the fish and the the land and the, the weather all around me was that I was focusing less and less on everything else in my life mm. in that moment. And I was actually able to be more present yeah. right there. And, and I really started to discover that was, I think by the time I started fly fishing, it was just, I was in a big desert spell and yeah. was getting incredibly frustrated and just cynical of everything. And then I just remember that first morning, just like I was out there and it just, it, the whole area had this mysterious feel to it. Like, I'll never forget it. Like, I was just like, why does something feel off, but also like scarily perfect? Everything had like this orangish purplish hue because the sun was just coming up. So that everything was saturated and just like calm and quiet. And you could just hear the, the gurgle of the creek. And it was just something about, it. I was like, okay, like it's just one of those moments where it was like, there was a very subtle majesty mm. about the whole area. And I felt very humbled by it. And it's it's a simple thing. Like, it's just like some rolling hills and trees in Western Nebraska. Like, it's not Yellowstone or someplace with like very visual mountains and towering monuments of creation. It's just a very simple place. But like, I started to realize that narrowing my vision and quieting my mind a little bit allowed me to be more present in those moments and to perhaps hear and feel some things that I have just trained myself to otherwise not hear just because of the hustle and bustle and working and then coming back and sleeping and working again. It was like a huge, just reset in my brain. And and it's something that it gives you an appreciation for little things that I don't think you really, I think you can get it from a lot of other things, but for me, and especially just, it gave me an appreciation for wildlife that I didn't really have before. I've always loved animals and wildlife, but I cannot count the amount of times I've seen wildlife out there that, uh, you know, both would be common and then also uncommon. I would run into beavers and American minks. I've seen a river otter in the wild out there, deer and just all every kind of bird. And, and the thing is, I've gotten really good at just being very calm and just really blending into the point where like I was like, I was literally five feet from this otter 
I caught it on film. Of course, like as soon as I saw, it, I started like screaming. I was like, because I was so excited because I love otters. But like at first, it just completely ignored me. Like it just like it ran down this hill, and I thought it was a small dog. And I looked at, it, I was like, that's an otter. And then it slid in the water that's right amazing. next to me. And then of course, when I was like freaked out and ran. But but those are just like little moments like that that I've gotten to experience. Like I would never have experienced those unless I was fly fishing. And and if I hadn't learned to just blend in with the area and just kind of focus on being a part of it, not being against it or like, I just, oh yeah, it really does give you a, not in like an overly, you know, dramatic hippie way, but it really does connect you to, to the area you're in just the clean air, the sounds, the smells, it's very natural and it's just, it's very therapeutic. For sure. using all of your senses to notice and pick up stuff you really are when you look at the world around us so much of it is sensory overload mm-hmm. and so then you end up in a place like what you're describing where it's calm in the it's very the euphoric lord, there should be the lord of the rings soundtrack in the background with the little flutes and all of that but that yeah. sounds like a gift of being able to be present with the environment and present with yourself and mm-hmm. breathe and have singular focus, especially in a world where like we're asked to multitask and take care of so many things at once. Right. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> okay, one last question. What do you wish people knew about fly fishing? I wish people knew that it's not for everybody, but I feel like if if more people at least tried it and maybe got into it, like they could, if they're in the same boat that I am or was in, it could really be therapeutic for them. And like a few of the people that I've managed to introduce into fly fishing have just taken off with it. And now, now I don't even really see them because they're just when they go fishing, they, they just go. I'll meet up with them every now and then, but it's just like they got into it faster than I did, harder than I did. And they're like, okay, we're going to go here. We're going to go here. We're gonna... I'm just like, <laughs> wow, okay. And But you know, it's it, it can be that way sometimes. And so it's just like, it's not for everybody, but you know, even the, like the times I've been able to drag Joe out to do it, kicking and screaming and, and kind of help him like a little toddler take his first steps <laughs> over and over again. Cause I always have to reteach him how to do it because he forgets. And like in those moments, like I've even seen that with him. It's just, it's not like a big, like you are chosen to do this. It's just being able to like appreciate just the moment that you're in, yeah. even if it's a little comical and a little awkward or it's just, it comes with the experience. And then if you're lucky, you might also just catch a fish. That's like the, that's the ribbon on top of the whole experience is you get, you also might catch a fish. Like it's way more than just the trout, but you know, it, they're, they play the vital role in being at the core of it, but it's so much more than just that. And yeah, but ah. you know what? It's okay that not everybody understands it because that means there's, you know, less people competing for it and elbowing for room, but yeah. <laughs> Jacob, thank you for sharing your nerd. This is You're fantastic. Yeah, uh, thanks for inviting wanna, me. People want to find you. They'll find you on Instagram at living on the fly. Is there anything else? Like if somebody wants to get into it fast, where do they go? They can go to your Instagram. Right. If you go to my Instagram, if I have had a few people just message me and ask me like, how do I get into it? And what I always, what I've realized, cause I had to learn this way is uh, cheap is best at first fly rods are crazy expensive everything is everything about fly fishing is expensive at a certain level but if you can humble yourself a little bit honestly like a fly rod is a fly rod 
you can get a decent one for very cheap and yeah. start with that until you get the basics down. And if you want to have a more expensive one, just because of the quality of the rod, or maybe it does perform a little bit better then you can upgrade when you feel ready to, but the odds of you accidentally snapping your rod in your door at least twice are very high <laughs> or getting it caught in a tree yeah. or having something happen to it. It, it can be a very expensive accident. I believe so. It. So you either start cheap and you're probably going to replace it a few times or do what I did, which was luck out and find a very awesome company that has a lifetime warranty on all their stuff. Hey. So just saying that's like the secret to getting good flag gears. You can break it as many times as you want, but if you only have to buy it once, that's the bonus. Also just to live by. Right. Yeah. And just watch, watch YouTubers, watch the guys that are professionals. It's fun to watch, especially if you're getting into it, because it just makes you want to get on the water immediately. But honestly, like that's where I learned a lot of tricks and tips was just by watching and just like memorizing stuff they did or stuff like that. And then applying it when I was on the water. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for your time. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. So here we are. I absolutely love how I can hear Jacob's love for fly fishing in his voice. And this is one of the major features required when truly nerding out about something you love. And Jacob nailed it. In re-listening to this episode while editing it, I felt myself getting excited all over again for the utter joy and happiness that fly fishing brings to Jacob. Time will tell if I ever try it, and if I do, I'll make sure to check in with Jacob first. Today's episode is made possible by so many of my people. Thanks to Lisa for the logo, to Katie for season three's concept clarity, and to Jacob for letting me interview and hang out with you. Okay, I've got to know, what's one of your flavors of nerd? How does it show up in your life? If you're open to sharing about it and possibly being featured on the podcast, send me an email at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com. Also, feel free to join the Here We Are online community by following Here We Are on our Facebook page and Instagram. If you're looking to go one step further and financially support what I'm doing with this podcast, head on over to patreon.com, search for Here We Are the Podcast, and sign up for one of the many quirky support tiers. Until next time, don't forget that curiosity wins and the world needs more nerds. Bye.